0: Welcome back to another edition of the Friday Podcast. Today's episode is with Rob Collins. Uh, Rob is one of the principals of King Collins Design. He, along with Tad King, are a up-and-coming golf architecture firm. Actually, uh, Rob was the fourth episode of the Friday Podcast ever, so it's been a while since Rob was on, but. One of our earliest guests coming back on, um, I was really excited to chat with Rob. It had been too long. Should have had him on many times before. Since that podcast, he uh, they've built, courses uh Sweetens Cove, but they've also opened Innis Landman, and they are in the process of putting the finishes, finishing touches on Red Feather down in Lubbock, Texas, and have some exciting new projects in the hopper. So we discuss a wide range of topics in this podcast. Uh, And without further ado, here is Rob Collins. Robert, it's been a long time. Very long time. OG Fried Egg Pod guest in the first, I think in the first five episodes. I think you might be episode four.
1: I really hope we have better audio today. I think we have better audio.
0: I, uh, I can almost assure you that we will, we are not, you know, the audio on my end is not coming through my MacBook uh, speakers and being recorded on my phone. So,
1: yeah. And I'm not on I'm not on a, um, I'm not driving to Knoxville in, in the rain and <laughs> like on a bad speakerphone or something.
0: Those old episodes, like I, if, if you were going to torture me, it would be having me listen to my early episodes that would be that'd be about as much as you could torture me i think i think it'd be worse than like bodily harm um
1: that was fun it's 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 funny how many people still talk to me you know they say you know they, they 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 heard that episode that was that made a big difference for us
0: yeah What's uh What's new? You, you're one of the busiest guys in golf now, and uh and and where where you been? Uh, what's the, what's been kind of like the last last year? I imagine you know you set your intentions with uh, it being at the new year. When you look back on 2022, uh, what were the things that stood out for you?
1: Well, we um, you know, we're really really deep into to red feather at that point. Um, and made a ton of progress out there. Um, so, so that, that was a big, big deal for us. And then, um, you know, the culmination of getting Landman open. I mean, that was, that was huge. I mean, that, it was funny. It opened, will set the opening date for September 4 2022, which was the three-year anniversary of, of when we were out there. Um. And I mean, that's hard to believe that it was 2019, but, you know, he really took the extra time to make sure that it was was dialed in and, and everything and, and hit that anniversary. And that was, that was really special. That's something I'll never forget.
0: You know, one of the things that'll stick with me with Landman and the construction project, project and process of being out there a decent amount is like, you know, just going out there and seeing those scrapers moving for like entire days on, on one fairway and just the, you know, the amount of earth work that had had to happen to make, you know, certain areas of that property golfable. And, you know, it, three years is a long time, but in terms of, of that project, it, it feels like it was actually kind of short.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, um, it was definitely a Herculean effort. Um, we were so lucky to have some unbelievably talented guys out there helping us. And, um, you know, in, in a way it's funny, I mean, it's kind of like sweetens in a way, like the more, the harder you try, the more, you know, attached you get to it. And, and, uh, you know, that w- it was just a, a difficult project because of, of, of how much work had to be done. And then, um, you know, will made a really good decision to, to, to sod it, um, You know, but even then, I mean, it, it still took still took time to get it dialed in, and so when it was finally ready, I mean, you had just built up to the, this moment in time, Uh, and that was, I just that was what a what a couple of days that was awesome.
0: Hey, I you know I want to kind of take back. Obviously, the first time you know when we did this a long time ago, uh, yeah. Sweden's Cove was in like a completely different place, right? Yeah. Like I mean yeah.
1: in a death spiral basically.
0: <laughs> I I think about it as you know we we both at that point we had had businesses that we didn't really know what the future held for them and you know I think there's probably you probably could go back and count on you know you could list off dozens of of moments like pinch me moments and different formative important moments of of Sweden's Cove but like if there's one like time where I, you thought I can't believe this is happening in in its history your time there what would it be
1: well i think you know definitely definitely the biggest moment was was when when the group finally came together the, the ownership group um, we had searched long and hard for a really long time to, to find a great group to partner with. And um, I was coming off the back of actually turning down a, a very, very successful golf developer who's done really good projects. I have a lot of respect for him, but we just couldn't come to agreement on on the numbers. And, um, you know, going through the negotiations w- with Mark was a, was a breeze and it was we just could tell, you know, it was was going to happen and, and it was going to work. And then, you know, when the story of when I was out to dinner with um, with Mark and, and Tom Nolan, and I didn't know Peyton was going to be one of the partners. And when Peyton walked into the restaurant and they all surprised me with that, that was just like, holy shit. I mean, I, I can't believe this is happening. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's still just you know get tears in my eyes thinking about it really
0: it's an unbelievable surprise like you know it was I mean, an unbelievable
1: surprise it was just a big it was i mean it was the biggest surprise i mean uh will bardwell wrote a great piece of, about that and every time i read the the restaurant scene I, you know from time to time once a year or something i'll go back and read that article and it always it gets a little dusty every time i get to that scene that, that was a that was a big deal and it's it's awesome having those guys on board. I mean, it's been so fun to to watch it. And now, you know, with Matt Adamski running things, I mean, he, he's taken it to a whole new level. I mean, he's just an amazing GM and and so creative and so passionate about it. And that place needs somebody who's going to live and breathe the, that that experience because it's so different. And and he just does an incredible job. And it just it just keeps getting better. And every year we. Think of you know ways we can make the experience better, and 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 just we always try to make it better for people, and and I think that's really helped it continue to be fun and attractive.
0: Yeah, I mean the at that at Sweetened that there has to be a definitive culture setter, right? And yeah, yeah that's you know, a
1: great way to say it. Yeah,
0: it was Patrick before Matt. Yep, yeah. and yeah. It, it's just you know. In a way, and obviously the the model, the the business model of the golf course has changed tremendously. You know, the way people think of Sweet and Scove has changed completely from five years ago yeah. to now. Um and it's you guys now in a way like you were kind of like the little engine that could, but now I imagine in a way that you're kind of With the all day passes, the high demand, you know, like you have become this bucket list. You're almost you have to deliver an experience from when somebody gets out of the car with with the golf course. How has that changed and how you guys think about, you know, delivering a experience for like a top notch experience for people? Because obviously, like the I think the expectations of when somebody goes there is dramatically different than, you know, five, six years ago.
1: There's no question. I mean, I I think people had had zero expectations. I mean, one of my best friends who's become a great friend through Sweetens, a guy named John Allen, you know, he went out there and he was a huge supporter of ours, very early member. And his first time out there, I'll always get tickled hearing his story because he he went and played nine holes and he he walked up to the shed and, and just walked straight up to Patrick. John's very straightforward. He said, what the hell is this place doing here? I mean, it just, it didn't make sense. You know, like, how is this golf course here, and and then also why am I like the only player here, and so, um, but then people who just people who didn't know about it, I mean they they'd had l- very low expectations as you said before, and now there's a very high expectation, uh, and and that's something we talk about all the time, and th- and that's where Matt and, and Colt and those guys just. I think they do an absolutely amazing job of having this immersive experience in and in, in treating everyone um you know really well and and like they're like they're a house guest almost you know and a cherished house guest coming in and and you just want to show them a great time and and so that's something we talk about a lot and you know we fell into the all day pass thing by accident and that was a result of you know, the golf course being too crowded. And we, we, we figured out, that well, let's do this all day pass thing and, and see how that works. And then it beca- that became really popular. And, um, you know, each year we we strive to get better on the experience side of it. And, and this year, one of the things we're going to be doing to, to make it better is, is we're going to work with a, a, a food provider, you know, like a, a food truck. So you'll actually be able to get food there rather than you know, ordering out to Domino's. I mean, that's huge. It's going to be a tough
0: break for the subways.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Tough break for the subway, the good and the bad subway. (laughs) Um, So, you know, things like that, um, you know, we want to, you know, improve the, uh, you know, furniture and kind of hangout space up top. And um, we just want people to be really comfortable and and, and have a great time and, and not want for anything. So, you know, as we've, gotten into it and seen it grow. I I think we're, you know, in a place where we can do certain things that, you know, we couldn't do a couple of years ago. So
0: how, how does being on the side of, you know, you're part of an ownership, part of people that, part of a group that makes decisions about the daily operation of a golf course. Does that help you with talking with prospective owners uh about new projects
1: absolutely i mean sweetens has given me um and in tad too um you know tad's experience prior to us going out on our own i mean he had a lot of experience in in setting up operations too and so that combined and, and tad's been intimately involved in the launch of sweetens and and he always knows what's going on so both of us collectively um having been through all that it's given us a wealth of knowledge and experience that we can give suggestions. And one thing that I've noticed just with how the way golf is going and the way consumers are kind of looking for golf is more um, what I would call like an immersive type of experience. People are less interested and less, inclined to just, you know, going and getting a 1020 tee time and there's a 1028 behind it. And that that's like punching a clock at work. You know, the, the, these very rigid systems that we've had that you and I grew up with playing golf are, are going away and people are looking for kind of a more immersive, authentic experience. And so we try to think about creative ways to deliver that and, and Various formats. I mean, some of our clients have private clubs and some are public and, but you try to, you, you think a lot about the experience and how that's the whole thing and and, and how the golf course architecture can tie into that.
0: Yeah. If, if you create, you know, I think one of the things that the all day pass, um, and I've never actually like, I've been there all day a n- number of times. You know, for different things, I've never participated in the all day pass thing. But the way I kind of think about it in my head is that what you've done is the traditional public golf experience is kind of like a movie, right? You have your show time, you show up, you know, you're there a little bit ahead of time. You get your popcorn, you get your 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 drink, you watch your movie, and then you leave and what you've almost done with the all day pass there is you've created more of like a a feel of like a music festival where you know you you show up you're watching one show you might bounce over to a different stage for a while you might decide hey let's just hang out here for a little bit and stop playing golf but then i'm going to jump back out you know in 20 minutes and it's much more of a free flowing i'm here all day and I think one of the things it does is it it actually like it makes the golf more casual in a way. Mm-hmm. And because you're not in this like hurry, like there it removes that schedule from the day. Um, and it creates like almost more of a relaxing, laid back, approachable um, atmosphere.
1: That's a- absolutely true. I mean, it's. Um... It takes the pressure off in in people who come there who maybe haven't done it before. You know, there's a little bit of anxiety on the first tee of of like I've got to get out. You know, and 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 Matt's really good at kind of talking off the ledge a little bit and saying, "Okay, look, you're going to be here till nine o'clock tonight in the summertime. Like, it's it's going to be okay." And um, you know, the fun, really fun thing is is about the all day pass. Is it like gives a lot of power to the consumer um, we're not dictating how they're going to enjoy the golf course. They, they decide that on their own. And, and, you know, we don't have many rules. Um, you know, basically all we ask is that you be respectful of the golf course and, and the people around you and, and, and keep up, you know, in other words, play, play fast. Don't, don't, don't bog the place down. And so if you can do that playing with five or six people, um, great, you know, and, and then the other thing too, is, is that it creates a cool atmosphere where, you know, somebody from Chicago may, you know, be going around and they end up pairing up with some guys from Florida and, and, you know, they become friends and have a, <clears throat> have a unique experience in that way. And then towards the end of the day as the attrition um, inevitably, you know, opens up more space on the golf course. People can kind of go, you know, maybe play number one backwards to number nine or, or do some of the cross country stuff too. So Um, there's, there's a lot of flexibility and, and, and it's, uh, kind of a choose your own adventure in in a lot of ways where people just, they're the ones in control and they, they, they can do what they please.
0: I, I, I gotta ask your, your life's changed significantly and, in you know, you, you've effectively gone from, you know, a designer of a nine hole golf course who was really waiting around for, for their next break. Um, you and Tad Mm -hmm. to now you're a very, I would say you're a very busy golf architect. You you have, I think like that I know of three plus jobs that are, Mm -hmm. that are in some sort of process, probably a lot more coming down the pipe and how, how's that transition been and what have been, you know, the, you know, the big things that you've had to change.
1: It's, it's, um, it's been a very welcome transition <laughs> for starters. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's always been, it's, you know, what we work so hard for. And um, and there's so, like no middle ground.
0: Know, it seems like
1: <laughs> there's no middle ground. And, but it, it's funny. I mean, you know, we all have bad days and, and you have great days and, or maybe you get a little down about something. And I, and I often say to my, like, Rob, What the hell, you know, what you don't have anything to complain about. I mean, you're doing what you want, um, doing great projects with great clients, you know. So sometimes I have to have a little bit of a reality check because you know things can get stressful or busy, but um, you know, uh, the um, growth of King Collins is, is and how we handle that is something that Tad and I talk a lot about we spend a lot of time talking about that and how we you know add people on and you know we've been fortunate to to bring bring some young guys on who are a huge help on site I mean as a design build firm you know we don't like working on more than two projects at a time and um, you know that that creates a lot of you know scheduling complexities for me and tad I mean sometimes I'll need to be here and he'll need to be there um, and then there's you know back of office, help stuff that we have people to, to help us with that. I mean, I know you just hired one of our old interns, Matt, who's doing a great job for you. And, um, you know, uh, we have somebody um, working for us named Sharon, who, who does a lot of things that we, you know, we used to have to do that we don't really have time for now. So, but, but like figuring all that out is we're figuring out on the fly, you know, and and that's, it's not always easy and there's fits and starts with it, but um, I think we're I think we're figuring it out. What what's been the, you know if
0: you can give us share some light what what's been the toughest challenge about this about the growth? I mean, I I can relate. I I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well it's things. funny. I mean,
1: you, you you know uh you know, I remember vividly when when Patrick told me about you coming out there uh to Sweetens in 2015. You know, this guy's driving down from Knoxville to come see it. Um and lots changed in both of our lives in that time. And I I like to, every time I see you, I make a comment about you being the (laughs) busiest, busiest man in show business. I mean, you really, it's insane how, how busy you are. But, um, I think that like the, the, the hardest thing, um, has just been striking kind of a, a, work life balance at times, you know, um, when, Things are really busy on a couple of projects. It can, it can, you know, it can get stressful. And, and um, you know, you just got to... That, that's where us hiring more people has been a huge help. <laughs> and good people. You know, it's funny. There's a guy working for us right now, Bruce Schober, young guy who's just crushing it as one of our project managers. And it's, he was working out at Landman... At one point in time at Landman, for weeks on end, his job was to pull sticks out of the sand that we were getting from the river, just so it wouldn't go in the greens. I mean, talk about, you know, not very fun, but he didn't complain. He great attitude, and now now he's running projects. And, um, you know, being able to have people like Bruce step up and help is is huge. And we've got a nice stable of guys we really like to work with on, on, you know, shaper side of things. And that's been great too. So we just, we just need to keep building and keep surrounding ourselves with good people. I think we'll be fine.
0: Now for a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by club TFE. Uh, We are cooking in club TFE. That is the fried egg membership. So for $120 a year, uh, the Friday membership gets you a lot. We get, uh, we've been putting out daily content during the week. So Monday through Friday, there are new posts up every day, uh, on the club TFE blog. Uh, we also have a weekly course profile. So these are, uh, these have been really popular, uh, so far we dive deep into a singular course, uh, and. You know, every week we add a new one with an egg rating as well as a monthly hangout that is happening soon. Uh be basically like a live Q and A podcast. Uh and that will be next week. And then we also uh do early event access. So events are starting to open up. Uh we just had our first batch of events open up. And then there's also some other little things like ten percent off the pro shop and uh, as well as a member gift so if you haven't yet if you're interested if you want more stuff from us i'm really really proud of uh what our team's been putting out and i think we are just going to keep improving this we hoped we have a lot of uh ideas and plans to continue to evolve this but right now i think it's a really good product for for 120 bucks a year so if you're interested, join at thefriedegg.com slash membership. And uh, thank you to everybody that has joined and for the support. And now back to Rob Collins. What are, what are some things that you hated letting go um, that now you look back on and laugh like, thank God it's out of my life? <laughs>
1: I mean, well, a lot of this stuff is like just awful, like paper pushing stuff. Like I didn't hate to let that go, but on the other side, I'm like, thank God that I'm not doing that stuff anymore. Like I am so bad. Tad and I laugh. I mean, we are the two worst administrative people on earth. I mean, if I worked in an office, I would be fired within four hours, you know. I, I can't, I, I can't stand that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, having people to help with that has been, has been huge, but I, I didn't, I didn't shed a tear when I got to say goodbye to some of that either. So, Yeah.
0: That, I mean, that's like the stuff I, I, I think about that all the time is like, it's, it seems sometimes like stuff seems like it's so hard. Like I could never get rid of this. And then you finally get rid of it and you're like, why? why did it take me, Three years to to get rid of this stuff it's it's just um you know, is there anything in in the creative process? I imagine i mean you talk about work life balance i I go through a lot of the same stuff um you know both of our jobs require us to be away from home a decent amount, which obviously then you know puts a strain on on that relationship um it do you find yourself have you as you guys scale, and I think this is obviously a tricky thing um, in the design build world. Like everything in your business pushes you to want to scale up. But the ethos of your business is craftsmanship, which is like the complete opposite of scaling up. Um, That's right. So, you know, have there have you started to let go a little bit of some of the creative processes in in certain aspects. And, you know, you talk about bringing more people on, obviously you want them to grow as well,
1: right? Yeah. Um, you know, Tad and I don't spend as much time on machines as we used to, um, just simply because of, of time commitments. Um, but having really talented people who can come in and help with that um, and, and do those things has been tremendously helpful. Um, but you know, Tad and I t- have talked about that, and when we we have accepted the fact that we do, in fact, have a, a ceiling um, to our the, the scale. I mean, it can't grow outside this room. You know, it's it's only going to get so big simply because we don't want to do five projects at once. I mean, um, it, it, it's. As tad and I say we, we would rather end our career doing 20 25 projects 30 whatever that number is I don't know and and be really really proud of every one of them than to do let's call it 50 projects and go ah, wish we had a another shot at that one you know um, you know people's time and resources are so valuable, um, you know, from the client end and and also from the amount of effort and time that people put into it that it it's just it's worth giving it everything you got and i I firmly believe that we're gonna be better off in every respect, and tad does too by by following that more simplified approach. I mean that's what got us here we don't we don't need to get crazy. We don't need to. We don't need to change the model too much. We just need help.
0: <laughs> that's well. I think that's a pinch across the industry, right? With so much construction going on, there's you know the, industry, the whole industry contracted, and you know and now there's this you know surplus of work, and you know there aren't you know staff. That's to... a
1: huge, huge <laughs> issue. Absolutely huge issue. I mean, it's funny. We had, um, as you very well know, we had. Uh, fortunate to have Jeff Bradley help us out on the bunkers at Landman. And, um, that was because, um, you know, in, 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 2020, uh, you know, it was middle of COVID and, and Bill and Ben, as we all did had, you know, some things that kind of got paused and, and, Jeff needed a place to go and, and, and thank God we, we could use it. And, um, you know, it, it is hard to find those people. And Tad and I try to work really hard, to cultivate a really fun team atmosphere to to you know have guys who who want to work with us and and want to be want to be loyal to us and and not bounce around um you know we give a lot of a lot of leeway to guys give them a lot of freedom and um we're both easygoing and 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 fun to work for and i think that you know a lot of times on golf construction projects, you know, maybe the architect, particularly if it's a contractor situation, it's, it's, they're constricting people down and we like to give freedom. I mean, that's how you get, that's how you get the best product is, is by having people inject their own, uh, being and, and creative process into it. And then you, you know, you react to that. I mean, a lot of times you have very specific ideas of what you want, but you, but you still, you know, you give them, give them a lot of rope and let them run and, see what they do and and then and then you know it's just dirt you can always change it if you need to but that that i think that's how how all the best courses you know since sand hills have gotten built by doing stuff like that so um that's kind of what we try to do and
0: do, do you have a specific example of that uh, maybe a, a a feature at landman where you let somebody go and and it turned out better than what you had maybe planned or different, may not better, but you wouldn't know, but different than what you had planned and you ended up really liking the final product? Well,
1: you know, a great example right off the top that comes to mind is uh, the Creek Barranca feature on number three, um, which people have, have loved. And um, that was actually Jimmy Craig's idea. Um, we We, you know, the bunker placement on that hole was... I, we knew where the bunkers wanted to go and how the hole wanted to go and where, how the green was going to sit sit down on the ground and all that and and um, Jimmy suggested that and it was it was a great idea and and we ran with it and it was funny because as we started going with it we said well let's at this point in time we had Trevor and um, and another guy named Lucas helping us and and so, and, and and John Ellsworth. Too and, and we like well. Let's all let's connect these things, create one on four that's coming down and um, and and then Lucas uh, actually suggested, why don't we you know connect them up rather than having the one that's on four because four is as you remember four is higher than three and all the water comes down through that channel. And he said, well, let's connect them up and that and that was you know it was, well yeah Lucas that that's. It that's it's exactly what we should do and so um you know we want people to be thinking we want people to be light on their feet and and throwing out ideas and um you know we'll take ideas from anywhere you know it's ultimately our decision to to filter out the good ones and the ones that might not work and 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 go with it but that's i think that's a good example
0: I would say, and I, I hope this is not unfair to say, um, and, and if it, if it is, please correct me. I I'd, I'd kind of describe you guys as architecture as maximalist. Um, I think you're not afraid to push stuff around um, and create. Um, and obviously, you're making a name, and I think that's part of you know why you're making a name. You're doing things differently than a lot of other people. Are doing them, and you're in this era of minimalist architecture. You know, do you get pushback? You know, in from clients and different things when you say, "Hey, we want to. This is what we want to do." And obviously, I think you know, you're you're bringing typically different ideas and and a different uh, perspective to to projects than maybe the other people they're talking to.
1: I think we definitely. I totally agree with you in that um, I think we do bring a different flair and in, in creative process than a lot of other firms. I mean, I, th- I think there's things that we do that are different and unique. I mean, I've always said, you know, if somebody asked me my opinion of, of how do you get into golf architecture, people who are interested in it, what, what do you recommend, et cetera, et cetera. And one of my key things I always say to people is, um, you know, find your own voice, you know, find find your own vision because um, I've got news for you. You are not Bill Corr um, and you're going to waste your life trying to chase that ghost um, because if you're simply, and I, I love Bill, <laughs> I, I love everything they do i mean that is is the highest praise you know you can't you need to find your own own vision your 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 own voice um otherwise if you try to be someone else you can't be you can't out core bill core in other words you, you know what i'm saying yeah so we we have tried to to find our own vision in, in our own voice and i think that's something that, that you're speaking to um and i think that's one of our our great strengths However um I would push back a little bit on the the maximalist thing which may be semantic um It's a hard one. there's the, only two
0: there's only well, two top two there's no middle ground
1: Well but but I think the term the term maximalist to me um it it's could it completely could be a, a semantic difference in the how we perceive maximal the word maximalism um the word maximalist to me implies a little bit of uh gratuitousness to it i'm I don't know if that's if you have that in your mind but to me that that word has an implication of gratuitousness or um maybe artificiality so I would say that we are not maximalists in that sense, like, for instance, at Landman, Landman was a completely ungolfable terrain in its natural state. Looking at it from, you know, an overall view, just standing on the first tee before a teaspoon of dirt was pushed, it looked amazing. But then when you start walking on it and you're walking up a four to one slope to the number one green, and your heart's pounding out of your chest, you know, you can't play golf on that. So um, we had to do things that made it golfable. Um, in, in, in you know, I, I would say that, you know, the overall goal with Landman was to not move gratuitous amounts of dirt for the, just for the sake of doing it, but it was to move the right amount to make it both playable strategic and, and have all the shot-making characteristics that we wanted. You know, we wanted to move not too much, not too low. We wanted to move the, the right amount. Um, and also, you know, our first project, Sweeten's Cove, was a 72-acre dead-flat floodplain that did not drain. Um, so we had to move a lot of dirt there. Um, Landman, we've had, you know, just by the nature of the site. Um I have, you know and I,
0: I agree like the one of the things about you know being a younger architect and not having a huge body of work is like we haven't seen you have a site in great natural sand dunes. Well, so, that,
1: that's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting around to is that um, you know we don't necessarily look at a site and say oh I would like to knock this hill down and just because we can. I mean that that's not at all our our mindset. You know. We always talk about every single project, it's our job to figure out what the question is that this project is, is, is asking. Once you identify that, then you figure out what the how to answer that question and, and what the how you push forward from there. And at Landman, in order to build an extraordinary golf course, it required moving a lot of dirt. I compare Landman to really to the original Lido in a lot of ways Um, because the original Lido moved roughly 2 million cubic yards by creating golf on an, a beautiful but otherwise ungolfable terrain, right? That site was not golfable prior to them doing that. Yeah. Okay. And Landman like the Lido is, is a just flat out unabashed tribute To a certain type of golf it's it's audacious it's just a unapologetically tribute to a certain type of golf and and, and it it was manufactured on a great site but prior to construction was was ungolfable so that was the question and that that's that was the approach we took through landman now we have a project in 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 nashville that is it's just unbelievable rolling terrain and it's much more of a, I mean, okay. A, a minimalist job. I mean, there, there's stuff where, you know, there's green settings next to little creeks like the project we were talking about earlier. Um, where you just, you hardly move anything. So, and then, you know, we have other, another project, which, um, I hope can get announced this year. It's truly on one of the best sites in the world. On a seaside site with sand dunes and all that. I mean, that's uh, just a teaspoonful here and there, you know? So you you have to you have to roll with the punches. I mean, every every site is gonna have a different set of demands to deliver the best possible um product to the client and to the consumer. And, and I think that, you know, Tad and I do have a certain fearlessness to us and a flair for the dramatic and a willingness to do some things maybe that other people wouldn't want to do. Um, And, and, and I think that, that, that helps us in a lot of ways when we, when we, we see opportunity where maybe others would see a roadblock. And I think that's one of our strengths.
0: I've something that I've always thought about, uh, not always, but you know, recent years have dominated my brain. And I, I always think about this. And, and from your perspective, as, as builders, as guys that create stuff, is it harder and does it require more confidence, maybe to build a wild green or something that's very understated and know that it, it's got enough going on?
1: I think you could argue that both take equal amount of confidence. Um, there's some really wild grains at Landman. There's a few, um, but I think that like the oxygen gets taken out of the room by number seven, number four, number 15 and number 17, because they're so audacious that's like it, you know you forget about you know number number 8 you know 9 11 12 13 you know and then 14 you come to this Redan with this gigantic kicker which kind of takes your breath away so um you know the you have to be confident in in your application of of when when to get a little wild but also no you gotta know when to pull pull it back too. Um and one thing that I absolutely <clears throat> am, am very cognizant of, and so is Tad, is is is, you know, I don't wanna be nor do, do do Tad and I wanna be put in a box of like, oh, those are the guys who just who they do all the crazy stuff. They do the wild greens. I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes, but sometimes not. And um, you know, I want each of our projects to be kind of like a Fabergé egg, for the lack of a better term, where it's just it's its own little special thing, and it's each one's different. You know, e- each one is something that we're immensely proud of. It, but Landman is not like Redfeather. is not like um, others. I mean, there's there's greens at Redfeather. There's some there's some bold ones, but there's some really really just chill kind of lay of the land. Stuff. I mean, I can't wait for people to see Red Feather. I, I, I think it has an awesome mix of, of greens and and bunkering and interest. I've never really seen anything like it. And that's an that, Red Feather an example of where, you know, to get back to some of the earlier comments, like that's where, you know, I think Tad and I saw an opportunity. where where maybe others would would have gotten a a little scared away. In fact, I was talking to Tad today. I mean, we almost didn't get that project permitted because even the engineers just, they couldn't wrap their head around how we were going to make this thing work. And I remember Tad talking to the guy and finally the engineer was like, oh yeah, that will work. And, 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 you know, we have to move 1.3 million, have to. Like we will get in the project, we'll get, you know, wouldn't work if we don't move 1.3 million cubic yards of dirt beneath a certain contour to hold a certain volume of water during a 500 year storm. We have to do that by the law. We have to do that. And, um, and it's taken a lot of creativity and a lot of vision and, and Tad's expertise and just incredible ability to understand big earthworks. Um, you know, and, and the end product there is going to be extraordinary. And and it's 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 different than landman. It's gonna be different than the one in Nashville, but it, it's gonna be its own special thing.
0: Well, I think this is like um something with golf architecture, right? We're in this in this period of this dominated by minimalism, right? This is uh obviously with like Bill uh Bill Kaur and Tom Doak and, you know, they've ushered in they, those guys. Obviously, they move dirt on on projects. It's like, you know, not every project's just like I found this green here and I mowed it out. Right. They move to yeah. earth. But the era, this really the last 20 years has been dominated by a singular trend. And I think what what's happened is it's kind of created like almost everything. in, in the world seems to now is like this is good and this is bad. I'm on mm-hmm. this side, I'm on this side. And the reality is if, if golf architecture is there, uh, an art form, there is a lot of room for different projects. And from what I understand about the Red Feather site was like, you know, it's a area that's extremely prone to flooding and yep. it, it was a very flat piece of property. So, yep. if you put golf there, it just you have to have the necessary features and it takes You know, the skill set to go wander around a sand dune site and find 18 holes is a lot different than taking a flat, flood ridden area and creating 18 holes. And both deserve some, like, a real study of how it's done. And the skill sets are different. Like, it's not a matter of narrowing down, you know, what 18 holes are best like at obviously at Sand Hills like what of the 106 the 132 holes are the best 18 right it is yeah. how do we make a functional golf course from nothing and and like i think that is it's an interesting thing because it's really it's almost you could make an argument a more creative process because you're having to imagine something that doesn't exist in its current state
1: i can could not agree more. I mean, I think that I mean, I just I'll go back to our guys, but I mean, I'm so immensely proud at Landman and Red Feather of, of what they did. Um, you know, to to just pull these features out of the earth um, through a lot of hard work. Um, it, it, like Joe Hancock was out at, at, at Red Feather and, and Mark Berger and John Ellsworth and these guys. I mean, we we have to create these channels and places for the water to go below a 3229 contour. And when we first started that project, we didn't really have a real solid idea of exactly what the look and feel was going to be. We just knew we kind of had to get this dirt out and what, you know, we didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but we had the confidence that we, as the dirt came out, we could make it work. And we were driving out east of, of town uh, in Lubbock, there's these just amazing landforms with these dry creek beds coming through them, and these flat top landforms that look like mesas. I call them mesas. It's it's like uh, some of the scenes in No Country for Old Men of that just very stark kind of very rugged landscape, and that we latched onto that look, and so let let's run with that. And the guys created these just amazing features. I mean, it looks like the, the golf course looks like it was just kind of carved out of this rugged West Texas landscape. And the goal was to like move boatloads of dirt to satisfy the permitting requirements, but then sit the golf course down on top of that in a minimal fashion, almost like we didn't... Does that make sense? I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you move the dirt and then you just sit the golf course into it almost as a in a minimalist sense. So the golf course is very ground hugging, very low profile, very down on the ground. Lots of greens where it just runs right into the fairway, and um, you know that's been a really a fun thing. And in it in Atlanta, man, I mean Tad and I and, and our team, I think, should be very proud of of seeing golf holes um, where you know there there were slopes and things going on that prior to construction, what weren't there and, and how they were able to tie back into the natural land and make it look like it was there the whole time is that's a lot of skill and a lot of creativity by a lot of very talented people who made that happen. And and I couldn't be happier with, with the way those things turned out.
0: What are uh, some concepts for golf and design that you haven't been able to do that you'd like to do?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about one. Um, we, (laughs) we submitted a plan to Pinehurst in October of 2021. Um, and I've, I mean, honestly, I can't believe I'm even saying this. I mean, I've, I've, there's literally only a handful of people that know this, but what the hell. I mean, i work to have a chance to work at Pinehurst would be ultimate dream come true for me. Um, you know, my whole, a lot of the ways I think about golf architecture came out of Pinehurst number two and, in seeing that in with my dad in 2007 and my brother, um, on his 75th birthday trip. And obviously that was prior to the renovation, but even then, you know, just the greens and the putting, you know, the short grass and the contour, it just was really impacted the way I thought about things. And to have a chance to throw some ideas out there at the pit um has been been a thrill and, and I hope that um I hope that we can do it. I we came up with a a concept that I've never seen anywhere that would be entirely unique. To the world of golf um that i that we feel would be a perfect fit for for a place like pinehurst um because they have these you know some really great kind of traditional courses i mean I, you know i'm sure tom's course will, will be a great addition and if bill and ben do theirs i hope they do um, that'll be another great 18 hole golf course but our concept was to take 140 acres and build five golf courses on 140 acres, um, where you could play a new course each day. And um, I worked with Joe McDonald to do all these amazing renderings and flyovers and all this stuff. So one day you're playing this way on the purple routing, and you know there's greens everywhere. Sometimes the greens only play for the red routing and sometimes you only play for the purple routing and only play for the green routing and but sometimes you know there's double grains that you you know you might use one side of the surface or another at any rate i mean it was you know i would like for us to have an opportunity to basically have an ode to pinehurst number two that is like five pinehurst number twos on a different day with just different stuff going on all over the place.
0: So, so there'd be 90 holes yeah. on 140 acres. There'd be, I'm not great at math, but yeah. that, that sounds right. <laughs> I, the only reason I know that is because of the Bob Hope used to be five rounds. and I could, yeah. I could, yeah, I could yeah, do that go. quick. Um, but then there'd be, you know, there'd be some, there'd be way more than 18 greens, um, you yeah. know, and different series of routings, but there wouldn't be 90 greens, obviously.
1: No, and, no, exactly. Yeah. No. So, so one day, and, you know, so one, one, just comes, like, comes, go ahead.
0: One thing that I, I obviously you'd have increased maintenance costs from the additional greens. But one thing that pops into my mind is the idea of how you could do maintenance work on on areas that weren't being used on the day's routing in preparation for the next day. Yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of utility in that sense. Like that's just one area facet of this that jumps to mind. It's a, it's a very interesting idea. And, you know, like the other question I'd have is like, is this, is this a better idea for a resort where, somebody's coming to play one time obviously they could play the same course five days in a row and be different every time or is this a path is this a path like this type of idea a really intriguing idea for private clubs or municipal golf courses
1: well I think it could definitely work really well in in a private club um, aspect as well Um, but you know, our thought was that it was the absolute perfect thing for Pinehurst because they have, you know, a lot of golf courses. They've got nine. Now they're going to have 10 golf courses where it's a very similar experience Yeah, and each time. And, um, you know, there there was a sort of a utilitarian aspect to it and that it only takes up 140 acres. So it's not it's not spread over two three hundred acres. It, it's it's more compact. It's you know the courses are range from 6,000 six thousand to sixty five hundred yards. And um, going back to our original conversation of how Sweetens has affected how we think about things um, in the immersive nature of golf. You know this is a very immersive thing. In the let's say you're playing the this blue course one day and you're looking over and you're going, God, I would, I would die to get, you know, to play that one. And it, it, it just, it just, it sets this hook. We're all crack at, we're all, we're all crack addicts basically, you know, it, it, you know, you, once you get see something cool, you, you want to experience it again. You want to see the next thing. You, you just couldn't get enough of it. It's like, well, I've got to stay an extra day or I, and I, my thought was that people would be like, it would extend, the length of their visits because, okay, this year I can play the red and the purple and the yellow, and, and I'm going to stay an extra two 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 and a half days to do that. Uh, and then next year I'll come back and it's, and, and it's like, and it, and it creates a, a repeat visit thing because, okay, let's say you go to Pinehurst for four or five days. I mean, you're definitely going to play number two, you're going to play number four, you're going to play number 10, play the core Crenshaw, you know, then it's like, Okay, well, I've gotta come back next year. My my buddy played the purple one on Wednesday and he said it was unbelievable. He said, I gotta play that one. So it it creates a a desire to to return. And I I think it would be great for them not not only just from a golf standpoint to have something different than what they have, but something that at the same while still while being different is still rooted in the fundamentals of what Pinehurst is. I mean, it needs to be a very Pinehursty looking golf course. I mean, I'm not we're not reinventing, we're not reinventing the wheel on that, but, but also from an operational standpoint, it, it's like you're. I mean, I don't. Why wouldn't you? I mean, I, 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 I you, you would. And can you imagine how much merch they would sell? Oh, my God, I mean, <laughs> you have five different courses.
0: I mean, I, I think it's like you know one of the things that I find frustrating with golf architecture is you know. I, Architect building architecture you know painting sculpting all these different art forms right and and building architecture and golf architecture are kind of two one in the same um one of the things that's frustrating if you if you consider this an art form is that like you know in order for work to get done it has to be commissioned by someone like mm. you know if if I'm a famous if I'm a painter, I can just paint whatever I, comes to mind, right? And then it's out in the world and people purchase it, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. thing with golf architecture is like there has to be somebody on the other side that said, "Yes, and like, you know, this is a it, 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 this is an example of an out of the box idea. This is something that hasn't been done before, but in order for it to be done, someone has to come write the 20 whatever million dollar check, uh, you know, whatever the the cost of this the, of a project, you know, obviously all that changes based off of where the land is, where, you know, what the soils sure. are, all that. But let's just say $20 million. Someone has to write the check for the 20 million. It doesn't just get to get done like a lot of other art forms. Like I have this cool idea. I'm going to do it. And that's, I think, how a lot of famous art Happens is like, oh, I want to do this. I'm going to write this song, you know, and I I'm going to do it in in my basement. And this is, and then it becomes famous. Like with golf architecture, there has to be the other side that it it accepts it. And you know, this is like it's a it's a very, I mean, it's an intriguing idea. I think like it adds variety, like day to day variety. You get different golf courses, right? But then furthermore, it it would actually make running the golf course, the operational side of thing, things, once you understood how to set each course up, right. It would make it easier because you'd always be ahead as opposed to like, yeah. we need to, Hey, we have a shotgun tomorrow. We have to get all the greens mode in yeah. the dark. Like, Oh, yeah, we can exactly. do this the night before.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it operationally, it does make a ton of sense. and, I just I think a lot about what would I like to see if I go somewhere and and I love going to Pinehurst and like I said it's one of my favorite places in the world um but you know there's a lot of stuff there that's um I think they need something that's a, a little bit more outside the box I mean they've had so much success with the cradle and and everything you know all the things they've done in the last 10 years and this just takes it a step further in my mind and to get to do something like that, um, would be amazing. And again, it's on 140 acres. So it's not like we're occupying massive amounts of, of terrain. These are courses that would be able to be played, you know, pretty quickly, uh, you know, 33 or 6,000 to 6,500 yards, which is fun too. I mean, that's kind of a different thing, you know?
0: So where I'd push, where I'd push back on like, you know, like, When this got announced a lot, I think, like, obviously, Will Bardwell was, I think, championing you guys. I wonder if he knew the plan. Um, But I think, like, one of the things that I thought a lot about with, like, golf resorts is, you know, Pinehurst is in the position of, like, say, like a Microsoft, if if you think about it in terms of, like, the golf landscape, right? You know, in a way, they're in the position because of a risk taken in 19... hundred by Tufts to build destination winter golf in rural North Carolina. I mean, that was their big risk, right? You know, like everybody has to take a risk at some point, right? Mike Kaiser hired David McClay kid, in a in a way at that point, making that, taking that risk, building a golf course in remote Oregon on the coastline now means that he doesn't really have to take risks because he's, you know, proved himself Pinehurst. It goes all the way back to 1900. They have all this history, right? In a way, they take a risk so long ago. And obviously, like this cuts on, this is also why innovation always tends to happen outside of the establishment, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in a way, like your all day pass at Sweetens Cove is an innovative form of golf. And it happened outside of the like outside of like a traditional golf landscape because I think almost in a way those resorts think of like we can't screw this up. they're in these like if if something if they try something innovative and it screws up, everybody knows that it is a colossal failure versus like I build this golf course in in wherever and it doesn't work fully, nobody knows, right? I get that, yeah. I, I just, like, that's, like, I would think the the tip, the opposite side of, of like, doing it at a resort. But, you know, like, I'm super intrigued, and from, like, a a golf architecture moving forward standpoint, I think it's, like, extremely important for somebody to be pushing new ideas, and I think there are architects that do push new ideas. You know, obviously, like a lot of architects push new ideas. But, th- you know, the frustrating thing is it's on the developer side of the foot to say, OK, we don't need 18 holes of championship golf. We can do this different thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to have the the, the Medici, you know, to, 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 to fund the fund the artist. I mean, I, I've thought about that a lot. I mean, in one of my biggest frustrations, you know, prior to us quote unquote, making it, I, I think we've made it now. But in the days where we were were, were having a hard time, it was, you know, a, immensely frustrating that I couldn't go out, like you said, and go down into the basement and write write the song. I couldn't, I have all these ideas. You know, Tad and I have these ideas. We have these concepts, these things we want to do. And, 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 and to, to have to rely on someone else is tough. Um, you know, my, my uh, you know, I, the resorts are, are corporate and down the middle. And a lot of times I get that, but, um, Hey, at the same time, I'd say the proof's in the pudding. I mean, we deliver and, you know, Landman basically sold out like that. Sweetens Cove sells out in five, 10 minutes. Red Feather's is going to be very successful. Um, you know, we take pride in, in our, in our, courses working and um the other thing too is is i mean <laughs> you know go, I'm, I'm remembering my quote from your podcast that we did when you know uh, the third podcast you know when i find it's like if we finally get this opportunity i mean I, we are gonna be like crazy you know i mean if we got that <laughs> we are not fucking it up period okay, <laughs> we are going to deliver. And, you know, they've got 900 and something acres.
0: I, Lots hope of space. Me, I, hope, I hope
1: Tom calls me. I mean, there's plenty of room to do it.
0: In terms of... Like when you look, when you look back, when you think about past projects, I, I, you know, like I do this all the time. I think about like, what can I do better? What can I do this? Like, I think every, you know, every off season you, you think about your favorite sporting athletes. It's like, well, man, if, if this guy could develop a jumper, he'd be lights (laughs) out. Do you, do you do that as architects? Do you guys ever talk about like, think like, you know what, if we could get a little bit better at this, or we could do this a little different. And, and has there been an instance of like you've you've made a slight tweak to the way you do things that have it has led to improvement or are there things that, you know, hey, we should get a little bit better at this. I'm just curious. Nobody ever talks about this stuff. And
1: I, I wanted to ask you. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, Tad and I are both inquisitive people in in we talk all the time, but just me and him. I mean, I talk to him an hour or two every day. And and one of the things that comes up in conversation is, you know, we'll say something like, I really learned a lot on that project. You know, we learned something there. Every single project teaches you new lessons. I mean, we've learned new lessons at Redfeather and you learn, everyone teaches you new things. And, um, and, you know, I think we're always trying to we don't ever want to be copying anybody else, so we're constantly kind of probing at the edges of, um, you know, d- doing new things, new expressions of, of what we're what we're doing. But at the same time, we never want it to be, we never want it to not work or feel contrived. I mean, it, so th- there's a there's a balance with that, and, and I mean, there's a few things where you know, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe we should have done this a little bit different and, and you learn from it, but yeah, I mean, that that's, that's part of the artistic process. I mean, it, it just is work because we're kind, con- you know, as much as a, a critic, you know, might look at something that we do and say, Oh, you should have done this or that. I mean, I can promise you, we have gone through the, all those conversations a million times over and, and, you know, we're, always trying to do it, you know, like I said, a new look, a new, a new style. I, I don't, this is kind of a contradictory comment, but I want people to be able to walk onto a King Collins golf course in 50 or hundred years and say, there's something about it. This is a King Collins. Okay. But at the same time, I really don't want them to just be able to look at it and go, "Oh, that's a King Collins." Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to be. I don't ever want us to be repetitive. I, I want each of our clients to get a new little special present from us. Each one is is a new little gift, and we have to find a new way each time to create that little flare. This little thing. We've got this little project going on. Um right now, um and Mark Berger built this cool little role that's unlike any role we've had in any of our other grains. And I was like, God, that is so badass. And and like that's part of the little gift to the client. Like, that's something we haven't seen before on one of our courses. And, and so each, every one you're and it might be something small like that, or it might be something bigger. Um, but every time you're trying to find something find a new way that makes sense
0: uh last question before we get you out of here um where would you like to see golf architecture go i think we're obviously at a point there's a lot of work there's a lot of projects going on and a little bit of an inflection point as uh you know you there is a new crop of yourself included architects getting a chance you know what general direction would you like to see architecture go or one direction?
1: You know, I think, um, you know, one thing Tad and I talked about in, in 2010, it's hard to believe when we started King Collins, um, was that, you know, if we can just get one in the ground, we can, we can build on that. And, um, the, the point we were making, that was in the middle of a very bad recession, downturning off was that you know golf is going is going to be down but we felt like if we can come out of it with something in the ground with a new wrinkle you know we'll we'll get opportunities and we knew also at the same time that there was a glut of a lot of very uninteresting uninspiring golf out there and in that this whole movement and i think you know you've ridden this wave. I mean, no laying up. I mean, we've ridden it. The, the, this new interest in golf is, is reactionary towards, again, sorry, uh, this earlier era of a very boring kind of punch the ticket kind of stuff. And so, you know, we could kind of feel that in, in, in there is to me still, and I, and I've talked to, some golf developers about this, there is not a not yet satisfied desire for new and and compelling and interesting golf. The, The population will still go and seek that out. And, you know, a lot of times maybe that is refurbishing something that was old or finding opportunities in, in underserved golf populations. I mean, there's a lot of great golf cities out there that, Essentially, are are underserved. I mean, look at Atlanta. I mean, for instance, okay, there there's tons of golfers there. There's compelling ground around <laughs> there's lots there, of golf but there, courses. But there's <laughs> there's lots of golf courses, but none of them are real good. At least the ones you can get on, and and it's like if somebody built an amazing public facility there, it would it would print money. I mean, there, there's still going to be opportunities like that. So I think that it's. It, to get to your question, I mean, I think it's kind of just resetting the old ways and and, and just finding finding the right opportunities. And there's there's plenty of opportunities in, in these in places to, to to go where where you have this inverse relationship of low quality golf to high demand, and, and, and that's not satisfied yet. So I I remain bullish about prospects for the future. And, and there a lot of young people um, are going to get to do neat things. And, and that, that's great.
0: All right, Rob, that's, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. We're going to have you on uh, in a shorter time duration than, than last, uh, you know, the, the five years or four years in between was, episodes so. yeah
1: man it was great to talk to you again can't wait to can't wait to see you again soon
0: yeah can't wait to see you it's been too long i uh it has I, been and uh we'll we'll keep in touch but people can find you you're on uh twitter and instagram and then you have your website king collins is it kingcollinsgolfdesign.com
1: kingcollinsgolf.com and then king collins golf on, on twitter and instagram
0: <laughs> so thanks rob
1: and uh we'll talk soon awesome thank you andy
0: Thank you for listening to another edition of the Friday Podcast. As a quick reminder, we have event registration. Uh, as I mentioned before in this episode, event registration went live for Club TFE members this week. But for the general public, if you are not a Club TFE member, they will it will be up on Monday. So the events that are open as uh, as it stands now are. The Boomerang at Soul Park The Hans redesigned Soul Park In Ojai, California Wonderful place to spend a day uh, Playing golf Really laid back event uh, The Steam Shovel at Lawsonia That is on uh, that is in mid-May On a Saturday in mid-May uh, Fantastic William Lankford Theodore Moreau Golf Course uh, One of my favorite golf courses in the Midwest uh, And then we also have Hollywood, the blockbuster at Hollywood Golf Club, uh, widely considered Walter Travis's best golf course. That's in New Jersey, and that's in June, as well as the Dog Bowl at Yale. So at the Seth Rayner C.B. McDonald, uh, you know, a place that you kind of have to see to believe how big and bold. The architecture is at uh at yale the dog bowl will be the saturday after the the blockbuster which is in kind of the mid to end of june so that will be uh all those will be available to everybody on monday january 23rd so thank you uh for listening to fried egg we'll be back next week we've got some new pods uh, in the hopper and uh look forward to talking to you guys again soon